Hey, Saints and Pels fans, another Friday, meaning another Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Cindy Robinson. And I'm Caroline Gonzalez. And we and have, I'm Ashley. There we go. Sorry, I cut you off. We have Ashley calling in from California. Uh, tomorrow's Saints game day, so we're bringing you a preview into the matchup against the Chargers. And then we'll also be discussing a series by ESPN writer Jackie McMullen about mental health in the NBA. So, like I said, Ashley is calling from L.A. She's out there with the Saints team. The Saints have been in L.A. since Tuesday, and they had a joint practice Wednesday, Thursday, and today with the Chargers. Ashley, how is Los Angeles treating you? Oh, you know, it's good. It's good. The weather here has been gorgeous. Um, some people have complained that it's a little too humid for their liking here. But you, we all know what the humidity is like in New Orleans, and I would say it's definitely an improvement. I'm from L.A. There's uh, no such thing as humidity out there compared to New Orleans. Well, they said it's like rare that it's usually not this bad and that it's something that's kind of going on here. But um it's been hot, but, you know, a, a definitely a little bit more toler- tolerable than uh, the New Orleans heat. Uh, mm. But we've been out here, like you said. Uh, we I actually got out here on Monday, but we've been practicing Wednesday, Thursday. We had open practices with uh, that was open to the public with the Chargers. And then today they had a walkthrough uh, with the Chargers as well. Um, and we completed our last quarterback challenge um, of the training camp season. Oh, so sad. I know, right? I was a little sad about that, but um, it went well. Um, Really, it's been, I mean, it's been great. You know, I think anytime you can have a joint practice with a team like this, it's something that is uh, very beneficial for both sides, and you're getting more game time action, not seeing the same guys that they've seen all throughout camp going against each other. Uh, the first day, I would say, on Wednesday was very competitive, very hard-hitting. Um, Thursday, kind of, you know, a little bit more relaxed, not as hard-hitting, just because uh, they took the shell or they took their pads off and just uh, practiced with their shells midway through. Uh, but overall, it's it's been a great experience, I would say. I figure they would like practicing with another team for once instead of going against their own team, you know, throughout the weeks, because that's something they do, obviously, throughout season, preparing for each game each week. But it has to be cool to go through a full practice with another team, like you said, getting that action against someone else. Absolutely. And the, just the competitive juices, really, um, you can see them flowing. Um, last year, the, when the Saints came out here, they were very flat on day one. Mm. Um, didn't, look too, didn't look too hot. Um, <laughs> and so... I think they were coming in wanting to redeem themselves. So day one uh, definitely went a lot better than uh, last year. Uh, very, like I said, very competitive, um, seven on seven, 11 on 11 a little bit. Um, so, you know, like I said, it can only be advantageous for both sides. All right, let's get to the good stuff. What stood out to you? Who stood out to you throughout these two practices that you saw? Well, I think, obviously, you have to talk about the return of Marcus Davenport. Um, He is, everyone's anticipating this will be his first preseason game. And so everybody's excited to see what they're going to get from him. Uh, He he talked about how he's feeling a lot better. He feels good. um, And he seemed to be uh, fitting up well in the matchup on the field. So I would definitely say, obviously, he's the guy that you want to be looking out for in uh, in his first preseason game debut. I mean, naturally, Michael Thomas has been standing out. He's been standing out all of camp. Uh, same with Traquan Smith. 
So you have to be excited about what you're seeing from those two guys as well. Um, Marcus Williams continues to stand out. Um, he had a couple interceptions, um, some PBUs. Uh, he's, he's, he's looked great all of camp. Yes, we've seen some of the highlight reels. I've been kind of excited about this game, watching them uh, do you know play all throughout this week. Okay, so you work heavily with the QB challenges, and we've you said this was the last one. How competitive? How uh, have the QB challenges been this week? You know, um, they, the, the Chargers actually help us out a lot with these. Uh, so since we kind of don't get to send as many people out to um, practice out here. Uh, they've kind of been in charge of producing and putting together the challenges this week. The first one, uh, I, I think you could say the Saints smoked them. <laughs> it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't close. But uh, yeah, uh, yesterday's, uh, the Chargers definitely kind of fought back and kind of gave um, the Saints a little bit of a run for their money. Um, and then today we did uh, a, a beer pong-themed uh, challenge. Yeah. And uh, it was for all the marbles. So it was not only, you know, the Saints won day one and day two individually with the challenges, uh, but today would mark either the full sweep of the Saints versus the Chargers and the challenges, or um, the Chargers could even come back. They were doing it based on a point total. I believe it was like 30 to 24. And so they had a chance to make up those points. Don't tell and them. Don't tell us who won. Don't, will, tell, don't tell us. I won't. I won't. <laughs> I won't reveal it. So, um all the Saints fans out there will definitely have to tune in. Um, that will go up um, towards the end of the day today. Uh, but, yeah, no, like I said, it's been exciting, and you you got to love the um, just the background of a Philip Rivers and a Drew Brees and just that whole relationship and just how that has blossomed and how each of them have gone on to have such successful careers. That was definitely a fun element that was added to the challenges this week. Uh, Caroline, like I said, we've been keeping up with the team from our end even though we're all the way here in New Orleans, stuck with the hum- real humidity. Um, who has been impressive for you in L.A.? Um, I definitely want to say Devereaux Lawrence. Um, he's been impressive over the last two uh, preseason games, and I think he's someone who's going to continue to impress because now he's kind of bitten some of the apple, and now he wants to get the whole apple. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, he's. I think he's excited, and I think he's, he's ready to kind of come out the gates and – make this 53-man roster. I know it's going to be a challenge for him because the defense is so strong this Mm -hmm. year and we have a lot of possible candidates, but I think uh, he's made his mark and he's continued to make his mark throughout training camp and in practices and stuff like that. So I'm definitely um, looking forward to seeing what he does on Saturday, but I think he's he's made his name known a little bit. Right. Ashley, what fun things have have the guys done or you tagged along for while you're in L.A.? Um, you know, um, I, I, I've been working a lot, and um, I've gotten to see a couple friends out here, um, went to a baseball game, so that was fun. Um, but the guys actually went out to Del Mar, the yeah. racetrack yesterday, um, after practice. And so they got to go out there and um, see the races. Um, they, uh, the nickname for that track is Where the Surf Meets the Turf. Yeah. And so one of the, in my opinion, one of the most, uh, gorgeous tracks that there is in the country. You can see the mountains and you can see the beach. Um, but uh, they went out there, um, so got to do a little team bonding with that. But it's it's been it's been fun. Okay, so moving on into this matchup, Chargers versus Saints on Saturday. I will say, I guess it's still preseason, so you can only be so excited because we already know how this goes. It's really just tryouts for a lot of the guys, but. 
What are some uh, some of the players fans should be keeping their eye out for? Are the debut of Marcus Davenport, like you mentioned, and as well as always, Marcus Williams, Mike Thomas. But then also, people can look forward to seeing some Breeze action, which we haven't really yeah. seen yet this preseason. Um, Carolina, is there any players that fans should be keeping their eye out for that you think? Uh, Taylor Stallworth. Okay. I think he's uh, he's done some things. Uh, I think I want to say the first week of preseason he had that fumble recovery and he wanted to run it into the end zone, but uh, he had to he had to fall on the ball. But and I think last weekend he had a sack, I believe. Um, and so he's someone that is a rookie and he's a free agent. He wasn't drafted, but I think he's someone who fans should definitely keep an eye out for. Ashley, what about you? I think just like the rest of the fan base, we're all very excited just to see some of the starters go out there Mm -hmm. and um, get to see a little bit of, you know, some almost real-time action. I think that's going to be just very exciting uh, for the fans and uh, make the game overall a little bit more exciting. It's a national televised game, so you're going to have that factored in. Um, So I I think just kind of getting as we inch closer and closer to real football, I think this is going to give you the t- give the fan base a taste of what to look for and some of uh, kind of hint to um, what's to come in the future. Right. Some other people to look out for too, according to Mr. Sean Kelly, is Cameron Tom. He's been getting snaps with the first team at left guard. He's already shown his vo- uh, value at center already. So obviously it's a different different position for him. But if he can prove to be valuable at left guard, that'll probably be a I wouldn't want to say I'm not saying he's going to for sure secure his spot, but that would help him along because obviously versatility is the best in those positions. Um, Also, Austin Carr, who's lined up in the slot this week with the first team offense for some snaps. He's been reliable throughout camp and he was here last year, so he's already have experience with the team. So that's someone else to look for in wide receiver, the wide receiver area, besides the obvious of Traquan and um, Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn. Saints game versus Los Angeles Chargers tomorrow can be viewed on CBS at 7 p.m. Central Time. So for all those who have been complaining about missing preseason action, you can watch it on CBS. And then, as always, tune into our digital channels in NewOrleansSaints.com for the pregame report and the postgame press conference of Coach Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Ashley, since you've been out there you didn't only hang out with Saints players we hear. You were also with some of the Pelicans players. I was. So um, we came out a couple of days early uh, to kind of go up and follow um, Drew Holiday. So Drew Holiday is out here in L.A. You know, his family is originally from here. And so uh, he's been putting in a lot of work with um, Coach Mike G. And he – so on Tuesday, I believe – we drove up there and kind of followed him throughout his workout. Uh, he was joined by uh, Frank Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fun to see. And his brother, Justin, who is a fellow NBA star as well. And so it's great to kind of see the workouts that he's going through. And we had a, we did a sit down talk with him kind of talking about just the, the changes he's made off season, uh, kind of reflecting back on last season and what he expects. Uh, for this upcoming season. But I think there's just a lot of an excitement and buzz around 
the Pelicans and the unknown, but the excitement for the unknown. You know, I think there's a lot of new pieces, a lot of new additions. We actually also got to see um, Alfred Payton out here. A lot of the guys in the NBA love to come out in LA, come out to LA and um, train in the off season. So just kind of seeing them together, that camaraderie, uh, you can already see them starting to gel, uh, especially the relationship with Drew and uh, Frank Jackson. You know, they just seeing that, you know, Frank looks great and he's, he, his ankle's good ever since his little minor in, injury in summer league. Uh, he seems to be feeling great, uh, in great shape. So just seeing that mentorship and kind of getting excited, you know, I think the Pelican fan base will be really excited to see a Frank Jackson on the court because he could in, potentially, in my mind, could be the X factor. You know, what are, what are you going to get from him? What is he going to bring to the table? How will he contribute? Um, will he open up our offense a little bit? Uh, just kind of that, I think that's a very exciting element, too, that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think will be um, very crucial to uh, the Pelicans' success this season. I think it's really cool to see that they're getting together during this off time to work out, you know, and like you said, already getting that gel, like having Alfred come out there. And I saw that Solomon was out there some, I guess one of the days, maybe before you guys got out there. So, he was the day right before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I know like a lot of the players are actually back here and already starting to train together here too in New Orleans. So it's good to see them getting a head start on, you know, getting ready for this season. Exactly. And I think, you know, one of the cool things, too, is it's a very familial um, <laughs> culture out here. Yeah. You know, Drew was with his wife, Lauren, his daughter, JT. Uh, his parents were here. His brother, brothers were out here as well. So just kind of creating that family type mentality. Uh, they, they make their workouts really fun. You know, Mike G does a great job of making the workouts interesting. They have uh, they were on a tennis court and catching balls and right. doing different things and throwing th things in the air, uh, adding to that competitive mindset that all athletes love. And so uh, just kind of seeing that in action was really, really cool. Definitely uh, for the Pelicans fans out there, stay tuned. Uh, Monday and Tuesday we will have the sit-down from uh, Drew and kind of what he has to say about uh, this upcoming season. I look forward to seeing that. So switching topics a little bit, we're still on basketball, but this year has kind of been a breakthrough year for some players when it comes to their mental health on and off the court. In particular, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan both spoke about their struggles with mental health in a special on Players' Tribune. And ESPN writer Jackie McMullen wrote a five-piece series about mental health in the NBA, and she discussed things from the struggles of opening up about it, coping with it, and how the NBA is taking a hands-on approach to providing the help players need moving forward and so that they're able to, you know, play and ha and feel like the NBA is backing them up. So, Caroline, we're going to let you take the lead on this one because you suggested the topic for us to discuss. You also brought the series to our attention. Yeah, I just think, oh, man, I, I really want to do the series justice just because it's so interesting and right. it's such – it's such an important top topic that a lot of people still see as taboo. So just so people kind of have some context, like you said, um, it's a five-part series on ESPN. The first article is called The State of Mental Health in the NBA, um, which Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan kind of give their two cents. Um, and then the second one is Mental Health in the NBA's Black Community. That's about Marcus and Markeith Morris, um, you know, growing up 
kind of in a rough neighborhood and having to have this, you know, tough guy mentality and then, you know, kind of breaking down those walls and realizing, okay, how do I cope with this? And I know they had, um, Charles Barkley, Bruce Bowen and, um, yeah, there's been a Jaylen lot of Rose speak there, into that one. Right? There's been a lot of big names in all of these articles. The yeah. third one is called to medicate or not a difficult decision that has Shane Larkin. It talks about his dad. A lot of other players are in that as right. well. Um, the fourth one b- behind the anxiety and anger of an NBA ref with Joey Crawford. And then the final one came out today called the future of mental wellness in the NBA. It, it changed from the first article, the state of mental health in the NBA to the future of me- mental wellness in the a- NBA, because Rob and Lopez says if you call it mental health it's kind of like you know a stigma like I don't know if I want to talk about that but then you if you call it mental wellness it's about their well-being and Mm -hmm. how they respond to things so that one kind of focuses on Trey Young and his experience um, so far in college and then trans and then now in the NBA so it's just been an exciting series and I definitely want to focus on one because you know I know we all have our opinions on each one. The one I'm going to choose is, is to medicate or not a difficult decision. Um, I read that one yesterday and you know, when you read something, you're like, yes. And then you read further and you're like, yes, I can relate to that. Right, right. Yes. Right. So I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm not, um, I don't want to compare my situation to his because obviously I am not an NBA player, nor will I ever be. I played basketball at a much smaller university that had 2000 students and did not know we had uh, sports, but nevertheless, but, but I will I will say this though because I agree with you when you said that whole yes I can mm-hmm. agree I can vibe with that like I, I identify with that just because you're not at the level that they are you can still go through stuff that they have gone through as an athlete even in our careers now right so don't feel like you can't you know voice how you identified with them because right pe- that's the purpose of these type of articles for people all over to you know feel okay with talking about these things so it first opens up with Shane Larkin and he wakes up in the morning and he turns on ESPN and he sees Ray Allen and they talk about how many three-pointers Ray Allen made the night before and uh, the number that popped out on the screen to Shane Larkin was a number eight and he knew that day that he was going to have to do everything in series of eight. So mm-hmm. he had to wash his hands eight times. Um, you know, he had to do several different things eight times. And then it talks about him leaving his house that day and his dog licks his hand. And he's like, OK, now I got to go wash my hands again, mm-hmm. um, which is just uh, when you think about it, it's just such a mind trap mm-hmm. that it's like, how could anyone live like that? And it has mm-hmm. to be so frustrating to, to mm-hmm. live like that. And to not recognize that you're you're living like that. Um, but then he also mentions that all of that stuff went away when he was on the basketball court. Um, he, you know, didn't care that guys were sweating and touching their armpits and touching the ball and things like that. Um, and then he also t- talked about when they gave him the medicine, it would kind of flatline him. Mm-hmm. Um, it would completely take away all desire. It would take away, you know, your, your drive. And that's kind of where I, I want to identify with him because I had my first anxiety attack when I was 12 or 13 when I was at the University of North Carolina's basketball camp. Um, I was staying over, it was an overnight camp and I was super excited and all of a sudden I was just shaking. Like I, I couldn't stop shaking. I couldn't catch my breath. Um, they had an athletic trainer who was acting as the nurse. I went to them and they didn't know what was going on. I was throwing up. Luckily my mom was staying in North Carolina for business that day. Um, And I called her, they called her, and I was just completely crippled by anxiety. I had no idea what was happening. Everything was closing in around me. I remember the the feeling so specifically because I've had it again and again. 
and I don't know why I have it. I don't know why or what event in my life caused that to happen to me, um, but I know I had it from a very young age. And then as I grew older, it kind of just kept happening and I kind of lived with it. And then some things happened in my life where I got anxious. I was anxious every day and I was depressed every day and I didn't realize it. Um, And so my mom, I didn't know this, but she uh, has had a history of depression and they she tried to take me to a psychiatrist and get me help and get someone talking to me. And so they, of course, tried to give me medication. So they put me on Prozac. And they put me on, and they identified that I had anxiety, depression, and ADD. And also, I want to talk about this because I feel like so often, I I mean, I've even been told, don't talk about it because it's not professional. It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not something that you should be talking about. You know, you shouldn't talk about your weaknesses, things like that. I don't want to buy into that. I believe that mental wellness is something that people should be talking about. And just because I have these things doesn't mean I can do my job any less. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, going forward, I was put on those things. And immediately as a basketball player, I realized that I was just completely dead. Um, You know, in basketball, they teach you to be everywhere at once. They teach you to be an enthusiastic player. They Mm -hmm. want you, you know, here on defense. They want you energetic and things like that. And they talk about that in the article. But that just, it, it flatlined me. And I, I couldn't do anything. I wasn't motivated to do anything. And that medicine really took away from me. And it wasn't until a few years later that I realized that I needed to get off the medication. Um, and it was funny because in college, when I wouldn't take my ADD medicine, my, my, the, my teammates could always tell. They were like, you're going to shoot 40% tonight if you don't take your medicine. Because sometimes I would forget it or sometimes, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it never failed. I would shoot lights out when I didn't take my medicine (laughs) and I would be all over the court I was the type of basketball player who I wouldn't get in people's face I wouldn't trash talk I was just I would do my job and I would leave you know I love the game and things like that but if I wasn't on my medicine one I was shooting the ball lights out and two I was getting in people's face like I remember our conference tournament game I cursed out parents in the in the who are you (laughs) I cursed out parents in the crowd I was talking trash to the bench I got in this girl's face and like bucked up at her like 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 flexed my muscles and at this this time in my life I was not as strong as I was as I am now but I like kind of got in her face and I was like what you want this uh, (laughs) I would pay money to see that because Caroline is like a little right flower which if y'all know me that's not me but at the time I just I was a completely different person and so that's who I was off the medication and luckily I'm off off of all of that now but um it's just it's crazy how much of a stigma and how bad the taboo is around mental health mental wellness <laughs> um you know adam silver in a, the article today said if a player were to, were to say to me guarantee me this that i guarantee me that this won't have an impact on my signing and he said i'm not in a position to say that right and it's crazy that if someone has a history of diabetes in their family, you're not like, oh, well, we don't want you. You're saying, okay, how do we help you to get to not cure that, but help you live with this sickness? It's the same thing with mental health. Okay, if you're living with this issue, how do we help you? How do we help this family history and identify that from the beginning? So something that stood out to me was that GM Jeannie Jeannie Bus, (laughs) she mentioned that she never, they never shied away from someone with mental health issues or mental, Mm -hmm. like needing mental wellness because she's dealt with it before with, uh, she's pointed out Ron Artest. But other, another GM said that if there was, 
it was the Eastern Conference GM. I don't think they mentioned exactly who it was. They just said Eastern Conference GM. Um, they mentioned that more than likely they are going to avoid someone with, say, ADHD. Mm-hmm. Because if they're not taking medicine, then you can't guarantee that off the court they're not going to – like, they'll be great on the court – because they'll have all this energy right. and all this stuff going for them, you know, and they're mm-hmm. giving you everything you need on the court. But then the moment they step off the court, they don't know how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So all that energy is still going, and they don't necessarily always channel it in the right place. And then that's when they get into off the court issues and whatever, and so forth and so forth, you know. And then they said if they are on the medication, well, you can't guarantee a great performance because, like you said, the lack of energy. Mm-hmm. But then they're, you know, you won't have to worry about them off the court. So it's kind of a lose-lose in his eyes. Yeah. Whereas Jeannie Buss looked at it as, well, no, we're just going to figure out how to work with you and make things work for you. So I definitely think there needs to be more people who are willing to find solutions and work with players so that players aren't afraid to come out and say, like, you know, I think I have this. Or even afraid to go find out if there's something wrong with them, you know? Because yeah. a lot of people don't even explore that because of those reasons because they don't want to think there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And I know Ashley wanted to touch on the uh, the anxiety and anger of an NBA ref um, one, but before I let her say that, I'm just going to continue my, my tangent <laughs> here. Um, I just – I wish that we – it was instilled in every team and in even younger sports the uh, the need to address – mental wellness because it's not something that you're just like here take a pill and this will make everything feel better i know in the articles they were saying they're not treating they're treating the symptoms they're not treating the actual issue um and again like i said i don't know what caused my anxiety i don't think i was going through traumatic events at 13 fortunately enough to where i um developed anxiety it just kind of happened um so i wish that people would take this seriously and people would not treat it as such taboo for um, for people in general, but especially NBA players who do have so much pressure and so much, um, they're under so much scrutiny. So with that, I will lead to the other side of the NBA, which is the NBA refs, which I know Ashley wanted to talk about. You know, and I think, um, first off, you know, first of all, Caroline, thanks for sharing the story. I thought that was, you know, really great to just hear from the perspective of a former college athlete. Thanks girl. Uh, but you know, I think, I think, Ultimately, we could talk about this topic all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, I think from, you know, looking at a world perspective, this is a bigger crisis than just within sports, yep. you know. Yep. But I think for these athletes to be able to use their platform to show that this is something that needs to be treated, something that people need to pay attention to, that even these big, famous people that every all these kids look up to, are going through this, I think that is a great platform to use. And I applaud those players for standing up and telling their stories, uh, knowing that, you know, there could be judgment in the locker room, et cetera. Mm. And so I applaud them and their bravery for standing up and speaking out on these, on these matters. One thing that I thought was really impressed me about the ref article was the fact that the NBA is taking steps overall mm-hmm. to prepare to kind of help help people cope and deal with things. So, what, for instance, with refs, they will look at a ref and they will di- uh, analyze them and uh, decide like what is their triggers, mm-hmm. so that when they're on the court, they can teach them coping mechanisms on how to cope with if something if someone were to say something or if someone were to get in their face. And I thought I thought that was such a cool thing that I never really thought about 
that we, these refs, they're humans, you know, they're not robots, they're humans with emotions and feelings. And just being on the court in a basketball game at that level and seeing the, you know, the jibber jabber and the, the talk back to those refs in those positions, it can't be easy, but right. for them to stand their ground and for the NBA to go a step further and provide them with adequate training on how to cope with certain situations and how to recognize when certain things are happening. I thought that was really cool. Mm, I would agree. And I think you hit the nail on the, the nail on the, the head. nail on the head. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying no, to the head on the, the nail. You so, hit the head on the nail, right? The head, the, the, Either way, you know, hit that or, we know yeah, what we're trying to say. You, uh, your point was very clear on, uh, you know, us taking steps and not only that, but the players, using their platform because I think if I were to see, you know, maybe a WNBA or even an NBA player when I was younger dealing with these things and I would say, okay, you know, this is okay to deal with. It's not something that I need to be ashamed of. And it's not something that, um, you know, I should be looked down upon. It's something that is real and it's something that everyone's dealing with. So on my end, I kind of have a personal story like yours. Mine didn't, hit until college um I guess kind of my senior year of high school but mine was all from pressure to perform which obviously we know these guys go through day in and day out as they step on that court as they in their their off-season training like there's always a pressure to perform because especially with social media right and on that has heightened things to another level having social media like literally nitpicking at everything you do right wrong whatever you can't get away from it so for me i remember i was getting in my own head basically about because i ran track in college and i was getting in my own head about my races at this point i wasn't necessarily performing to the extent that i know i could or as well as i was doing in practice and i was freaking out before races but the one that stood out to me the most which is so weird because like i had by then already seen a sports psychiatrist and kind of calmed myself down. But this was supposed to be my last race. I was going to graduate early from college in my junior year. And like I was going to be done running, just finish my junior year. So we're at Pac-12s and uh, we're walking to do the 200. So they're walking us out to the blocks. And as I'm walking to the blocks, I feel my eyes start watering up. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it's not some emotional, this is my last race stuff. This is I'm really freaked out, like I need to do really well type stuff. Like, why am I going this hard? Like, I'm really freaked out right now. I was shaking all the way to the blocks. As I'm taking my clothes, I did my warm-up run out, and I was shaking. Couldn't stop myself. Got into the blocks, still shaking. Granted, I ended up running my best time I've run in the 200, but literally <laughs> I could not explain why I was that shook. And throughout my college years, I dealt with the anxiety of if I was going to perform as well as like I was expected to. Um, my coach actually had me go see our sports psychiatrist, psychologist, whichever one it is, <laughs> um, at, on campus. And she kind of went through these techniques of like, you know, doing different breathing stuff or whatever before meets and all this. And it, it kind of helped for the one meet that I went to right after that. But moving forward, I didn't, like, I still had the same anxieties. I would get super nervous. And I realized that's a pressure I put on myself, not necessarily, like, that's one. Like, there's expectations of me, obviously. But 
I have expectations of myself too. So that has kind of followed me into my career too. <laughs> and I do have moments when we go live and stuff that I'm kind of freaking out inside. I do have a specific moment when we did a Saints post game show that I don't really want to talk too heavy about, but it wasn't my best. And I literally was freaking out every moment before then. Caroline was there, so she knows. Like it was probably the most terrifying. All that moment. adrenaline. I basically went back to that moment when I was walking up to the blocks and I was just like, oh, okay, let's do this. It, but for the players, you do see, like, you got to realize they have so much more on them. They're doing this not only for the paycheck, but, like, this is your entertainment. They have to answer to fans. They have to answer to their coaches. They have to answer to the GMs who are hiring them. Like, it is a lot. And so you can only imagine how much they go home with, too. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the one that – the article about mental health with NBA players in the African-American community, they a lot of times have other situations where they're taking care of more than just their immediate family. They're taking care of their mom, their dad, their sister, their cousin, mm -hmm. all the people from back home who were there for you, your friends, and you kind of have a lot of people hands out at once and you're trying to please everybody mm -hmm. and you're trying to be there for everybody. They have a lot of different circumstances because of where they come from. Markeith and uh, Marcus talked about that in their, in their, you know, interview with uh, Jackie. But all together, this series, I feel like, is just opening. I mean, obviously it started with Kevin you Love. You have to read it. You yeah, have to read it. you have to read it for sure. But it obviously started with Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan coming out and speaking about those things. But, like, now this is, you can tell people are paying more attention to it and giving it the attention it needs even the NBA for making those, you know, changes they they've implemented. Uh, you gotta help me with this one, Caroline, because I don't know their exact titles, but like they've implemented two new positions to help with that mental health arena. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's like a it's in the article, but read the articles for sure because all of them shed new lights and it kind of will help some of you fans who are a little too harsh on social media. I know some of you don't care because you're like, these people are getting paid millions and da 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 da. But it's like, they're more, to, it's more to them than just the money. Cause like at one point they're human beings and they should be treated as such. Exactly. No matter how many, how much they're getting paid, they are human beings and they should be treated as such. I mean, if they've ever got, a lot of them have mentioned they've gotten to the point where they don't even think that the money is worth it. So that tells you a lot. So definitely check out the articles on ESPN.com by Jackie McMullen. Um, thank you, Caroline, for bringing that to our attention. Of course. Because I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have come across it had it not been for you retweeting it. And Hashtag stay woke. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Ashley, you have, what, one more day left in L.A.? Yeah, we uh, leave out on Sunday. Okay, well, enjoy that beautiful weather. Uh, I know you'll have fun at the game tomorrow. And then, like we said, you guys back at home can watch the game on CBS on channel. Well, yeah, channel CBS. I don't know what exact channel it is for everybody's cable providers, but it's at 7 p.m. Central Time. And make sure you tune in, tune in to our pregame report. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time.